Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that discovers something new about history every day of the week. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're looking at the lesser-known story of the real-life Macbeth, the Scottish king whose rise to power later inspired a play by William Shakespeare. You can probably guess which one. The day was August 15th, 1057. Malcolm Canmore avenged his father's death by slaying King Macbeth of Scotland at the Battle of Lumfannon. Seventeen years earlier, Macbeth had overthrown Malcolm's father, King Duncan I, killing him in battle and taking his place as ruler. Malcolm, still just a child at the time, had fled into exile with his uncle, Earl Seward of Northumbria. In 1054, Malcolm returned to take back the throne from Macbeth, but wound up spending the next three years pursuing him all across Scotland. Then, at last, on August 15th, Malcolm cornered Macbeth at Lumfannon and put an end to his rule. William Shakespeare's Scottish play is the first thing most people think of when they hear the name Macbeth. That tragedy was written more than 500 years after the events it's based on, and as you might expect, its version of history was greatly fictionalized for dramatic effect. First, and most disappointingly, the real Macbeth never consulted any witches or other supernatural forces, at least not that we know of. 
But more crucially, the play's depiction of Macbeth and his wife as scheming murderers was also invented by Shakespeare. In reality, the historical Macbeth and Lady Macbeth seem to have been far less villainous. Although his exact lineage is unclear, it's believed that Macbeth was descended from King Kenneth II and therefore had a claim to the Scottish throne on his mother's side. Macbeth was born in the province of Moray in northern Scotland in the year 1005. By that time, Kenneth II had been succeeded by Kenneth III, and Kenneth III had been overthrown by Malcolm II, who was actually the son of Kenneth II. It all gets a bit confusing, as the reigns of Scottish kings tended to be quite short in those days, but the main takeaway is that at the time of Macbeth's birth, he still had a grandfather on the throne. Under King Malcolm II, Macbeth's father served as the Mormaer of Moray, essentially the governor or chief of the province. Macbeth later took over the regional role himself after his father's death. A few years after that, in 1034, Malcolm II passed away and left his throne to a different grandson, Macbeth's cousin, King Duncan I. During his reign, Scotland became entangled in Anglo-Norse affairs, and Duncan ultimately led several failed attacks against England. Macbeth was a trusted military leader, but his opposition to Duncan's misguided conflicts pushed the province of Moray into open rebellion. In 1040, Duncan tried to stamp out that uprising by leading a raid on Macbeth's domain. It went poorly for the young king, and he died by Macbeth's hand in a battle near the town of Elgin. Those events play out much differently in Shakespeare's tragedy. There, Duncan was a far cry from the young, ineffectual ruler he was in real life. Also different is the way in which Duncan dies, and the way in which Macbeth becomes king. In the play, Macbeth murders Duncan in his bed, and then assumes his throne without having a legitimate claim to it. In reality, though, Duncan died on the battlefield, and Macbeth had a decent claim to the throne through his mother. He had no need to resort to treachery, as many of Duncan's subjects had already turned against him in favor of Macbeth. As for his wife, Gruach, the basis for Lady Macbeth, we don't know much about her. She's said to have been the granddaughter of King Kenneth III, so it's possible her marriage to Macbeth was a political move. Since his clan was descended from a different Scottish king, their union may have been a way to foster peace between two rival clans. In any case, we can safely rule her out as a key player in Duncan's demise, though whether or not she helped instigate the rise against him is anyone's guess. As many people expected, Macbeth proved to be a far more capable ruler than Duncan had been. He kept Scotland prosperous and didn't needlessly embroil it in foreign affairs. Meanwhile, Duncan's son, the future Malcolm III, was busy plotting in exile. He had gone into hiding with his uncle following the news of his father's death, but by the year 1054, he was ready to exact his revenge. After securing an army from the English king Edward the Confessor, Malcolm and his uncle marched north through Scotland, wiping out anyone who got in their way. Eventually, they made their way to Macbeth, who was waiting for them at Dunsinane Hill, just north of Perth. After a fierce battle, Macbeth's forces were overwhelmed, and the king was sent scrambling further north. 
That victory allowed Malcolm to seize control of southern Scotland, but his true target would elude him for the next three years. Finally, on August 15, 1057, Malcolm's army caught up with King Macbeth. It's unclear who struck the killing blow, but some sources claim it was the Earl of Fife, Macduff. If so, that's a rare point of agreement between history and Shakespeare, as he also named Macduff as the killer. Macbeth was briefly succeeded by his stepson, Lulach, but after just a few months in power, he was also killed, clearing the way for the reign of Malcolm III. It was a sad outcome for Macbeth, but he later became synonymous with one of the most captivating plays of all time, which is more than can be said for his successor. And as far as consolation prizes go, literary immortality ain't half bad. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them directly to me at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie 
Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.